0: Hey, friends, and welcome to Bold Mercies with Heather Johnson. I am so glad that you have decided to join us, to come and listen to some faith building stories, to have our hearts stirred, stirred about God's awesome mercies that He shows us, and how we can live out those mercies boldness in our journeys, which can sometimes be really exciting ways, and sometimes our journeys can be terrifying and can be dark and can be stormy and can be scary. But indeed, God's bold mercies in our lives help us live out our stories with boldness. I am so um, happy to have today on the podcast with me, Abby Fennig. So this is a really fun guest because um, not only do I feel like she is a hero, but she's also my sister-in-law. So she is my husband's sister. And so I'm really thankful to have her with us today. So Abby, thanks so much for being with us on the I'm podcast today. And I'm excited to be number one. Yay, first one. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Yay. It's so perfect to start with you. Well, Abby, why don't you go ahead, actually, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your
1: family, where y'all are, and your story a little bit. Well, I am married to my husband, Adam. We have been married for 17 years. I... Grew up in Minnesota, Yay. but we moved to Florida around 10 years ago. We moved with our two young boys at the time, and unknown to me, I was pregnant when we moved down here. So, a few months later, after that, we had our daughter Elizabeth. We also are foster parents. So, we started our foster care journey five and a half years ago. Currently, in our home, we also have three foster children who are five, two, and one. So I have three boys and I have three girls. And that makes a full house. It makes a very full house. We have only two bathrooms. We have five of our children sharing one very small bathroom. So it gets very tight. I think that's called like character building, though. I, 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 think hope, these... I hope my kids grew up thinking that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I am actually a better person because I only had one bathroom to I share between the five bathroom. of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What was the initial spark that drew you and Adam, your husband, into foster
1: care? We were raised very much with our eyes looking and helping and just wanting to help the poor. Mm. My mom worked in um, in a Title I school growing up. She was always working at that school. And my dad's church every week would send a van to um, this apartment building, and they'd pick up all the kids and bring them into church. And my parents on holidays always invited just some people that had some special needs to our around our table and um, just a lot of poverty and addiction. So it was never it wasn't a foreign concept to me growing up. It was very much around my table. My mom had a mom at her school say she was going to rehab and needed some help with her boys. And I think my mama knowingly said, you know, call me if you need any help. Well, she called and said, can Hmm. you take my boys while I go to rehab? Mom and dad took them for, I don't remember, maybe a year. And then they would take them over for the summers. It was like a non-official, foster care. It wasn't safe families. It was just teacher and a pastor helping a family in need. I think that really maybe sparked my interest in it and seeing the need that there are parents that are just in really hard situations and and they don't have a safety net. And because of the grace of God, I was raised in an amazing home that you know if anything had gone wrong, there were aunts and uncles and cousins and grandmas and grandpas who would have helped, but not everybody is blessed with that.
0: And you've had eight over the years. So not all Mm. at one time, thankfully. Yeah. Because that would really be Mm -hmm. handful. But you've had eight um, children in your home, two of what? Is that correct? Eight, right? Eight is,
1: yes. Eight is the number. The kids and I always disagree though, because one of the girls we have now has boomeranged back to us. So she's number one but she's also technically number nine, eight officially.
0: I personally have witnessed you and your relationships with these birth mothers mm-hmm. that you, um, you know, you you get to know these birth moms as some of them you get to know a lot better, obviously, than others. Mm-hmm. Extended family, grandparents or sisters or um, what, you know, what have you, the extended family. And I've really loved to watch you care for the birth mothers when they open their Themselves to you when they are willing. Mm-hmm. So, what has that looked like for you? Just connecting with the birth family.
1: Mm-hmm. I I remember going into this process thinking um, co-parenting would be the worst because how could you ever fill in the blank abuse your child, you know, do drugs and um, abandon your child, and you know it, the list goes on and on. How could you ever do that mm-hmm. to your child? And I remember the first day we got our first placement with in Florida. Every state is different, but within Florida, once they're removed twenty four hours later, they get a visit. So I drove her to her visit at this visitation center, and I was leaving, and I watched her mom walk out of the building weeping and mm. I just sat there watching her, and I just you know debated what to do, and so I drove my car um, over to her. And I just said, um, I want you to know how much we love your daughter already. And I tried to think of some things, you know, within just 24 hours that we loved about her. And I said, we're praying for you. Um, and right there, I think my ideas about the birth parents changed watching, um, watching her react to leaving her daughter, knowing that, I'm a mother and she's a mother and she is fighting um, some demons that uh, that have overtaken her. And she yeah. has absolutely nobody to take care of her daughter that she's now living with an absolute stranger. And mm. it taught me from that moment that every time I received a child that I would reach out to the birth parent because putting myself in their shoes you know, not knowing where my child was going, where they were sleeping, what they were eating. I know some parent foster parents take a picture of the room that their child will be sleeping in and send it just to say, this is where your child, you know, sleeps. And, um, so right away with my kids, I, I initiate contact with the moms. I've never been fearful. I've never, mm. um, I, and I can't say this generally. There are some instances where you should not use your phone number. You should not tell them where you live. There are right. a lot of safety, safety precautions issues you should for, take. But right. I have personally never experienced a situation where I feel unsafe in showing you know my love and care for their child mm. with them. So my first baby really opened my eyes to really loving these parents. And so uh, she was reunified. And I kept in touch with mom. And that's the great thing about co-parenting while fostering is if you do it well, when those babies go home, which is the number one goal is reunification, you get to stay in their lives. So um, birthday parties, we were invited to, uh, if she needed a babysitter, she would call me. We still took her sometimes for over because I think it helps everybody. It helps the kids who are reunified. It helps my biological children. You know, I'm not just putting a kid in their life and then taking them away forever. I think it's essential right. for everybody to be in contact.
0: And like you said, it just shares so much love with love with these birth moms mm-hmm. or birth dads that might still be in their lives and that really do love their children but are having to get a few um a few things straightened out in their lives mm-hmm. um so that they can care for care for their kids. Mm-hmm. Our podcast, as you know, is named Bold Mercies. And so really wanting to highlight the bold mercies of God in our life. And I think you've already said that you've, that you noticed that with your parents, who are also my Mm in-laws, and they are fantastic. And you just saw how they they took hold of those bold mercies that were shown them through Jesus, through Christ, and that they were able to be merciful to people around them. Mm -hmm. So how have you seen God's bold mercies highlighted in your
1: foster journey? Mm. In my own faith journey and And teaching my children, um, just being reminded that we are all adopted into God. Looking at these birth families just breaks my heart because they have had such hard, hard lives. Our our last placement, the mom was actually still in foster care herself. Not everyone is given mercy of um, being raised in a Christian home with support and love. And so I also think while co-parenting with these parents that um, you know, they weren't raised with this and, and some of these babies I'm raising aren't going to remember me. They're going to go home and their parents might not ever tell them they were in foster care and they'll never remember being with me, but the bio parents will remember me. And so, um, one of my goals of co-parenting is taking what I know that, you know, Christ has given me just knowing Jesus personally as my savior is just, just really loving them with that love of Jesus's love, but also um, sharing that love with them. Like I love your child because Jesus loves me. The girls we have now, we invite their parents. They came to Easter with us and um, just kind of inviting them along on our faith journey. And they have said to us, you know, not every parent is gracious in their response to the the love we're sharing with them. Some of yeah, them, they yeah. don't. They'll maybe say that they're thankful you have their child, but that's as far as it goes. But the little girls I have now, their parents will write these letters or um, just say kind words like, we we weren't raised, we don't have parents. I don't know what to do. No one ever told me what to do. And so they're very much thankful for just having someone come alongside of them and love them. And so I think in this foster care journey, it just makes me so, so grateful for uh, being for being placed in the family. I was, but also putting myself like there before the grace of God. Go, I like without uh, Jesus and without God, I could so much be that bio mom. You know, I could be in the in the bottom of a pit suffering yeah. with addiction, but but I got Jesus, <laughs> and I'm yeah, and, and you're and I'm just as much of a sinner, but it just makes me so so thankful for where I've been placed in my life and just using that as a way, as a means to love them.
0: Yes. Just like what you said, you know, you've been blessed so much um, and that you are blessed and I am blessed. I mean, we've been blessed with Jesus to be a blessing to others. Mm -hmm. And um, you are just absolutely living that out. What do you find are some of the greatest joys of
1: foster care? I find the greatest joy. I think going back to co-parenting, I love when a child that is with me, when their parent works really hard to get them back, gets them back. I hmm. think that is just amazing. I We didn't go into foster care to adopt. So some people might do foster care to grow their family, but that's not my goal. And that's really not the goal of foster care. The goal of foster care is reunification. So to watch a yeah. mom and dad work really hard to get their kids back and to have their children reenter their lives, that just it just brings me so much joy. And mm-hmm. I also love seeing my community around me, specifically my church. It brings me a lot of joy to see them love on my kids. My church has now started a foster care ministry within the church. And it it so blesses me to get diapers and meals, but it's also just such a blessing to watch them love on my kids and have my kids be loved on by the church. That also brings me a lot of joy.
0: So what can churches do to really serve and encourage those moms and dads,
1: foster moms and dads? I think a lot of people don't realize that foster care is like giving birth to a child. It just, in a very speedy process, I decided with our last baby, I had gotten an email that 14 kids didn't have a bed for the night and it was maybe 6 PM. So I just said, Hey, my, I have a bed open. If if you have a child in need, you can fill one of my beds. And I was called immediately and they said, we have a four week old. We're on our way. So I had nothing. I had, I had had absolutely nothing. I thought we were taking a break from foster care. I just wanted to fill the need for the night we ended up a year and two months later we still have him but you know i went home and i had no diapers i had no wipes i had no bottles i had no formula wow. i had to get the crib out of the garage if a, if there is a ministry at a church you know when a when a family receives a foster placement just to have a contact person to say you know the Fennig family got a baby and then everyone says okay all hands on deck what do you need and I had a girlfriend that night packed her husband in a car filled to the brim with all of her baby's hand-me-downs. So that night I got a swing right before he arrived. She gave wow. me all of his old baby clothes. A lot of these kids don't come with anything, like absolutely nothing. And so they're not coming with, you know, diaper bags filled with <laughs> everything they need. They're, they come with absolutely nothing. So yeah, the clothes on their, the body, clothes on is their it? body, which might be filled with, you know, lice and what whatnot. So just to have a team in place at a church that's just ready to jump in at the at last minute when a place So the very basics of just a hot meal and diapers are a huge blessing. So you mentioned lice mm-hmm. has <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot of toys, and but I know- there's also a lot of painful things that
0: happen him <laughs> and I know lice wouldn't rank up there as like the most difficult thing that you've had to do. Yeah. But, but certainly it. maybe like oh Gross. so maybe you guys grossest. have just had yes and the most work maybe yeah. I mean like phys, like having to actually like what? I mean like you're having to wash all the sheets yes. and
1: and the and the hard thing was these um we had a brother and a sister and he came to me scratching his head and within 24 hours, they also go to the doctor. And so someone picked him up to take him to the doctor. And I said, can you please ask about lice? And she brought him back and said, he doesn't have lice. And I thought, okay. So I literally thought it was a tick. He had this tick where he would just scratch his head all the time. And then Hurricane Irma came, everything closed down. And somebody sent me a link, or I don't know how it came to be, to distinguish between dandruff and lice And I looked in his hair and he was covered in lice. And of course, it was right when Hurricane Irma hit, nothing was open. No schools were open. So we're all in this, again, small home (laughs) with lice. Um, So I'm trying all the natural remedies to get rid of it. But yes, it is a very gross um, thing that can happen within foster care. A lot of the times it happens within foster care. We would get rid of the lice. We'd do all the laundry. We'd do all the treatments to our hair and then um, he would go on a saturday morning come back saturday night but he would bring the lice back with him so Ugh. it like we couldn't get rid of it because it just kept coming back so like in the front of our house when he when we pick him up we would just change him out front and we'd dump him right into a hot shower um it was terrible it was and everybody got it everybody remember. got it Oh, I
0: know. and you did too, I Abby. It. I mean,
1: and I had just been in right? a car accident, and I couldn't put my arm above my head. And I had the thickest—I had the thickest hair, and so I remember just crying in the shower because I couldn't even lice comb my own head. So my sweet, sweet girlfriend came over, and she. Picked all the knits out of my hair for me. I mean, that's a-
0: I would love to ask you, um, what is one thing that you would say to a woman
1: who is in your shoes? Well, it's funny you ask that because I literally just talked to um, a prospective foster parent the other day, and she asked that same question. What is some advice you'd give me? So if you're entering into the foster care journey, my advice would be, you need to be on the same page with your spouse because times are going to get really hard. And if the times get hard and you need to tap out for an afternoon, and then your husband says, sorry, I didn't sign on for this, or you brought on this yourself, that not only injures your marriage, but it also, you know, ends your foster care journey. So I would say, if you're starting your journey to be on the same page with your spouse. Yeah. That's to super important. a foster parent who has taken on their first placement, I would say to just be really open with the biological parents. And it might not go how you want it to go. It might not be like my relationship with my girl's parents. Um, I I can't say it's been the case for all of my kids, not at all. But I would say initially just I'm here. We love your child. I just say, be open with um, a relationship with a, with a biological parent. I would also Mm -hmm. say to find community. Um, So just to surround yourself too, with like-minded people who are passionate about the same thing as you as foster care, who can offer you words of wisdom, but sadly they're also Mm -hmm. over their heads. So then I would say also, surround yourself <laughs> with the church who can, um, yeah. you know, lift up your arms when you can't do it anymore.
0: To recap that, just to um, make sure that you guys are a team, to not be afraid to reach out to the mom or the dad of this child that you are now fostering, to love them um, with the love of Christ, which you so spoke about so well, and to really surround yourself with a community, which you obviously have done. Just being an outsider looking into it, I can see the community. And I can imagine that if you don't to have that kind of community surrounding you, supporting you, and loving on your foster babies, that
1: uh, your foster care years won't last very long because there's no way that you can... Yeah. There's a statistic that 50%, I think it's 50% of all foster parents quit after their first placement. Yeah. That's so high. Just because of feeling alone and... (laughs) feeling isolated and feeling like nobody else understands and feeling really overwhelmed. I mean, it it can become very overwhelming. Wow.
0: Well, Abby, you do it with such grace. (laughs) And I've loved watching your kiddos, your, your big three kiddos just love these kids and it hasn't been easy, right? I mean like these relationships with, between your uh, biological kids and your foster kids, they're not, sometimes it's fire Mm -hmm. and ice. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. How
0: have you seen your kids impacted? Um, by
1: this? Um, I've been amazed, amazed by my children. We had taken a break from fostering. I don't remember how long it was. Maybe we were like six months into taking a break after, usually after reunification, we take a break for a while. We just kind of regroup as our own unit. We were, we were on a break and my kids kept begging me to take another foster child. Wow. It wasn't Adam and I thinking, okay, now's the, you know, now's a great time. It was my own kids who are like, we're ready, mom, we're ready. We want to do this. So I was amazed by that. One of our cases currently is not going very well for the bio-parents. The word adoption is on the table. I am feeling um, hesitant about this. And my biological children are the ones that are like, but there are there are there are kids. You know, you mm. might go into this thinking, I'm going to ruin my kids. This is my decision. This is what we want for the family. This, you know, my kids didn't decide this, but my kids have been so amazing on this journey. I think if you're entering this journey, you'll be amazed at, um, at your own kids. And I think also just like I was raised with an awareness of poverty and addiction around me, I think it's so good for kids to To be aware, to have their eyes open to it, I think they are going to do that as adults because they are excelling at it as kids. But to that to say, there it it is not a perfect picture of a harmonious household. They are still children (laughs) who act as siblings. Um, but I wouldn't let yep. that stop your journey.
0: We'd love to hear a little bit about what is a goodbye like with these. And you've had some really beautiful little babies in your house that you've, you know, you get right at pretty close to out of the hospital. And then you're having to say goodbye for a very joyous reason mm-hmm. that they're being reunified, but you still have formed bonds and attachments mm-hmm. with them. So, what
1: is goodbye like as a foster mom? I remember my teacher in my class saying a goodbye is happy. She said, so I ask my child when they're reunified. I know that that's our last meal together. She said, it's a party. When the person came to pick my child up, I was smiling and waving. And as soon as the door shut and my back turned, I wept. Our first baby who we had my church threw mom, a baby shower. Uh-huh. It was a sweet transition and I it, it couldn't have gone better. We have one baby who I saw one time afterwards and I've lost total communication with her. So that's Painful every time I see a little boy who I think would be around his age, I think about him and I wonder what he looks like and what he's doing. Some are hard, hard, hard placements, and when they're reunified, I'm excited. (laughs) I'm happy. Yeah, because they are exhausting, right? I'm excited for mom, but I'm also really excited for us just to be able to breathe again. It can run the gamut of being very, very sad and it can be happy and. Preparing meals, I usually do it at the counter, and I bring it all over to the table, already on people's plates. And I always make too many plate after reunification. I always make the wrong number of plates, and it makes me really sad yeah. because I'm just in the routine of I've got you know five kids, and then I have three again. So it's an adjustment. I have a baby now, and if he ever ever moves, I'm just going to be absolutely devastated. So it doesn't come without heartache. But you decide that
0: that the calling of Jesus on your life to live this it's out greater. is worth yeah, it's it. Greater. We will close every podcast with this question. What is making you happy right now? So we're just going to mm. assume that Jesus yeah. in his word makes you okay. happy. That
1: brings you joy. But besides that, what, what brings you happiness right now? Um, what brings me happiness right now? I will say, two things, coffee, because having an infant and a teenager, I feel like I'm always awake.
0: (laughs) I totally, I totally agree with you. I'm in the sweet spot of sleep before they start staying awake till midnight on the weekends. So they're still going to bed at a reasonable time. And I didn't have an infant. So I had that, like those few years of a sweet Mm -hmm. spot of um, a lot of sleep, but you're on the polar, polar opposite of that where you have an infant. Yeah. And a high schooler. I think
1: the Lord is sweet in that like when your teenagers stay awake really late, you can sleep in. Usually you don't have like 14 year age gap. Bryce hasn't been in band and he's been getting home at like midnight and one. I mean, it's ridiculous. But then I'm like up at 536 at the baby. (laughs) So I'm loving coffee. Um, Okay. Coffee's making you happy. What else? And I'm... um. I just got a robe for an early Christmas present, and I'm loving my robe because it got little, it got yes. a little cool in Florida, and so I'm the lady that wears her robe when she's home, not at nighttime or in the morning <laughs> when I'm home. And so last night I was cleaning the bathroom in my robe, <laughs> wearing my robe, and it makes me happy because I have my Christmas tree on, and I'm it's cool outside, and I'm warm in my robe drinking my coffee (laughs) oh that is that's perfect that is what I was loving
0: I was looking for that I was hoping you were going to say coffee and a rope rope. (laughs) oh Abby well thank you so much I feel like um I feel like I've learned a lot and been encouraged and been inspired and I am so thankful to have this conversation with you thank
1: you for having me be your number one